Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Brian Johnston, one of the associate pastors here, and I'm just so glad to see you worshiping with us this uh, wonderful, beautiful Sunday morning, and welcome to those watching online. We are glad that you're here uh, worshiping with us wherever you are. We are going to continue in our theme or series for this month and next month, and it's called Sunday School Stories. These are stories that many of us heard when we were younger or are now hearing in Sunday school, and then we're going to expand upon them now, revisit some of these famous stories, and take a different look at them as well. And if you've never heard them before, this will be your first time. It's a great opportunity to learn about these uh, famous foundational stories of our Bible. Today, we're going to look at the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And we're going to be looking at Matthew's gospel account of this uh, scene here. So we'll be coming from Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, or you can follow along on your Bible or read on the screens above. And because it is the gospel passage, I invite you to stand as you are able in body and spirit in honor of the reading. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. When the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, well, bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, asking or taking the five loaves and the two fish. And he looked up from the heavens and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces and 12 baskets filled. And then those that ate were about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, I don't know if any of y'all have recently have tried to go out and get dinner reservations like the day of for a large group. You're not going to have any luck in doing so. Even if you try to plan ahead and pick a place that has plenty of room to go, they're packed. And if you show up without reservations, even if it's a small group, you're going to wait a while. Restaurants are just busy. They'll even turn you away sometimes, saying they don't have the opportunity to sit your party down or get you fed before the kitchen closes. It's just what it is. And there's also certain days of the year you have to pay close attention to and get your reservation really early. And guys out there, I'll tell you what day it is, Mother's Day. Okay, Mother's Day is almost the number one day to go out to eat. I guess we don't like to cook. And so if you're planning on it a week or two out, you're already too late. Might as well be going to the store to get ready to grill out something for your wife or your mom or whoever. Because Mother's Day, if you try to get a reservation too close time, you're not getting it. Okay, So restaurants sometimes, especially in this day and age... Well, turn folks away for whatever reasons, you know, and it's frustrating when you're the one that's been told, no, we can't accommodate your group. No, you're going to have to wait two hours to eat. It's frustrating. You're having to go to plan B. You just don't know what you're going to do sometimes. 
So you just go home and eat a cheese sandwich and go to bed, right? Well, it's different, though, with Jesus. It's different with our Messiah. And we see that in this passage. It highlights this throughout Scripture. But in this passage, we see here that because of Jesus Christ, we have faith that God will never turn us away. To get to where we are with the feeding of the 5,000, let's back up a little bit in gospel in Matthew's gospel to see what happened right before. A lot's happening in this 14th chapter. If you read it in the passages before, you'll come to the scene or where John the Baptist is in prison by King Herod. And then ultimately, at a festival or a banquet, there's a request to King Herod that John the Baptist to be beheaded and his head brought in on a platter. You see, Herod was kind of hesitant to kill John the Baptist because he had disciples himself. John the Baptist had a large following, and Herod didn't want to cause an uprising. But because of this festival and because of the dances, he obliged and ordered him to be executed. And so when that happened, this is where we get to this scene here on verses 13 through 21. And then after the feeding of the 5,000, immediately afterwards, we read about how Jesus goes and walks on water. And we have that whole scene there, too. So this passage is sandwiched between two big moments in Scripture. So when it says here, when it looks at it and it says, Now when Jesus had heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. That is what he's just heard. He just heard that his cousin the one that prepared the way for him was now executed and no longer living with them. And so you can only imagine that he needed to go and isolate himself. He needed to go and grieve. He needed to rest. He needed to take that time, as we all do, when we experience grief. We have to get away. We have to rest. We have to reflect. And so this moment here, you see Jesus doing that. But something happened here. It says, but when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. The towns nearby, people heard about John the Baptist. They knew that Jesus could provide them comfort in this time. They knew Jesus' ministry was connected to John the Baptist. And so when they heard the news, they went and sought him out. Just as in those moments of when we are grieving and we're trying to get away and we feel like there's nothing else out there that can help us, many of us do cry out to God as a last resort. We cry out to God to help us understand what is happening in our lives. We call out to God for healing, for clarification of what's going on and anger of the situation. And so we can fully relate to this scene here knowing what has just happened of the trauma that has just happened that everybody's experiencing. And so when Jesus went ashore, he saw those great crowds of people, he had compassion for them. He cured their sicknesses. You know, in those moments when you're trying to get away, you don't want to be disturbed, right? You don't want anybody intruding upon your private time. I, I often do this when I get really tired and I want to go take a nap. And it's at that moment when I lay down to take my nap 
is when my kids really need me the most. It's not when I'm fully awake and caffeinated. I lay down and I'm needed. And I always say, unless it's a medical emergency, give me 20 minutes. Just give me 20 minutes. That's all. And I just need to lay down where I am for 20 minutes. As my parents used to say, I used to rest your eyes and then I'll be ready to handle whatever you're coming with me at. But I, I feel guilty when I do that because you, they're your children. You want to be able to, you know, attend to every single need no matter what it is. But in this moment, we see that while Jesus needed rest, he needed time to grieve, reflect, whatever that is. When he saw the crowds of folks that were gathering there, when they have heard the news, he had compassion for them. And so he came out, engaged the crowds. He healed their sicknesses. He comforted them provided what they emotionally needed in that moment. And that is an amazing thing about our God. Our God is busier than any of us ever dreamed that we could be. Busier than any parent who wants to go take a nap. But yet he doesn't say, not now, give me 20 minutes. He has compassion for your needs. And then he goes to work. That is the type of God, the creator, that we have. An amazing God that doesn't need a 20 minutes rest and so we sit on the sidelines. No. He's ready to tend to us if we'll hand over to him what is on us and burdening us. And so when the evening came and the disciples came to him and said, This is, this is a deserted place and the hour is now late. They said, send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. That's a reasonable statement. They're out in the wilderness. They left their towns to see Jesus. It's almost like when we go through our own wildernesses to see Jesus in our own hunger. These people went through the wilderness and deserted places and left their towns to go see the Savior. And as a reasonable statement, the disciples said, we don't have anything to give them for their physical hunger. You need to send them into town before it gets too dark. This, this is what our Savior said. I'm going to switch to this handheld. He told his disciples in that moment, no, don't send them into the towns. Don't send them into the villages. We're going to take care of them right here. And it wasn't that this Jesus went out and he gathered the things that they needed. That he told the disciples to go and gather what was needed. Now this gospel here, or this uh, scene in this gospel of Matthew, the feeding of the 5,000 is found in all four gospels. Which is unique. Matthew, Mark, Luke are known as the synoptic gospels. So you can find a lot of the same stories in those Gospels told from a different perspective. And John's is usually a different version with a whole set of different stories. But in this one you see it in all. Which means this is an important event that we all need to pay attention to. And so when you see in this moment where they said the disciples to Jesus, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish... And he said, well, bring them here to me. So they went and they got the fish and brought it to him. 
he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. That's important. You can eat standing up. I think half of my dinners are standing up at the bar counter eating where everybody else is sitting down. So I know it works. But he told them to sit down. That's important. Because they're not only about to be fed, but they're about to fellowship together. They are about to share in a feast and a banquet together with the Messiah and the disciples. He said, this is going to take a while. We're going to hang out for a minute. Why don't you just sit down and get comfortable? And so they did. They sat down and taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. You see here parallels to what we observe in communion. Whenever you read that Jesus breaks bread, it should reflect back and bring us to the moment of communion where he broke bread with his disciples in his final moments. It should bring us to the moments where we share in that when we take communion in this space today and in this time. And the other thing that brings us to communion is this. It doesn't necessarily talk about what the faith of all these individuals that are there are. We know that they believe in Jesus or are curious enough to go and seek him in their time of questioning and in their time of need. But he did this for everybody present. It wasn't just for, okay, those that I know that have been Jewish from day one, you go here, men over here, children, then everybody else there. No. They took what they had and offered it to all, just as our open table in the Methodist church is offered to those who are willing to receive, who are willing to turn to God. That's it. No other, no other things are required of that. And here there is nothing required to be invited to sit down and to fellowship and to be served by Jesus and the disciples. If you were there, that's all that mattered. And so that points to us today and how we should approach when we have church, that church is for everyone who's willing to come. No requirement. If you are curious, if you have that prevenient grace pulling you in to see what this is all about, that's all that it needs. Come on in. And we should be inviting those folks who are ready to come. You know, when he used the disciples to go and gather the bread and to serve the bread, I think it tells us that we are required to serve others as well. That Jesus expects us to do some work in this and it not all be on him. He can do it all, but that's not the point. The point is to use people, his creation serving creation. We did that yesterday. Yesterday, we had Rise Against Hunger in this very space. If you were here, you would notice this looks totally different than it did 24 hours ago. We have a great team here that flips this place around for each ministry event, even if it happens on a Saturday afternoon. It's ready every Sunday morning for worship. But Rise Against Hunger is one of my favorite events that we do. As a church, we gather and fundraise, and then we show up and we pack meals we packed 15,000 meals yesterday. Our church has packed over 400,000 meals since 2013. 
We have fed a lot of folks. We have fed a lot of folks who desperately needed it. And those meals go to places where there's not food readily available. It goes to places that are experiencing conflict and disasters. It goes to places in need. And we are a part of that. Our hands are the last hands that touch that package that goes in that box until it gets to its destination to the person in need then grabs it. And that's powerful. That's powerful. And we are called to do that. Just as Jesus called his disciples to do it, as his disciples today, we are called to serve. And yesterday was just one small example of what we can do, of what they can do. Rise Against Hunger says it is possible to end world hunger if everybody pulls together. There is no reason why somebody should be hungry in this world today, but they are. So in that regard, our job is not done. And so at the end here, it says they ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. And those who had eaten were about 5,000 men. And Matthew, he says here, besides the women and children. So when you look at that, that number 5,000 would be larger than any community of that day and age. But that was 5,000 men. Mostly when they're giving you a population number in Scripture and don't mention anything about women and children, they're only counting the men, even though women and children are there. So this number could have easily been 15,000 people. 15,000 people that were fed from very little. But yet because of God, He provides. Because we seek, He will comfort. And so we must be willing to do so And this is a strong reminder since you can find it in all throughout the Gospels. So let's do a little vacation Bible school throwback. How many of y'all either volunteered or participated in vacation Bible school? Let's do a little raise of hands this year for St. Matthew's, all right? Food truck party, right? A very fun, unique theme, right? Food truck party. The songs are probably now just starting to crank back in your head because you heard them for like five days straight. And those on staff, if they ever helped with the weekday, you heard it twice a day for five days straight. But there is a story that they used on one of their days. and There's a song that goes along with it, okay, where this feeding of the 5,000 parallels that moment. And it comes from Exodus chapter 16, where Moses and the Israelites were in exile. They were hungry. And what was provided for them one day on the ground? What did they have to eat? Say it. I don't, if you know it, say the answer. Manna and quail, right? Quail and manna was provided. And so the individuals that were there in that moment of the feeding the 5,000, that new scripture, that knew the Old Testament, that knew the law, and the Jewish people that were hearing the gospel of Matthew would automatically make that parallel that God provided they're in the exile with quail and manna to his people. And that now in this moment, God is providing what is needed for his people through Jesus Christ. There are so many connections and parallels between the Gospels and the New Testament letters and what we see in the Old Testament. Because it's a beautiful woven story. And it's a story that reassures us and tells us that our God is a God that provides. Our God is a God that will fit every need. And so what we need to think about from this story here 
is that we need to be thinking about ways we can disciple and provide the good news to those that need it. To those that are not here with us this morning. As we are called to take the fishes and loaves and distribute it out. What does that look like for us? Because there are a lot of people that are walking through wildernesses right now. Whatever that wilderness may be for them in the moment in their life. Whatever crises, loneliness, uncertainty, whatever it is that they have right now, they are walking through a wilderness. Seeking something, needing something. And we are called to be that disciple that meets them there along the way. To share as Jesus has shared with all of us. To point them to Jesus. You know, it's easier for us to not go out and do that. It's easier for us to run away from conflict. You know, when those crowds and multitudes went to Jesus and left their towns, yeah, they might have could have gone back to their towns to be fed, but they stayed even though they didn't know where their meal was going to come from. Yeah, the Israelites that were fleeing Egypt maybe could have returned and faced repercussions, but also they may have been provided for in some way, but they kept marching on to the promised land. You know, as a church, you go through moments of trials and challenges, but yet you keep marching on. You keep reaching out. At St. Matthew's, we pride ourselves as a church that reaches out to share the life-changing love and grace of Jesus Christ. And there are some days where it's probably easier not to do that. But yet we are called to continue to march on. We are called to continue to go out and do so. And so as we reflect upon this and this famous story here, as we look at everything we see, may we in our own life see where God has blessed us. That God is a God that doesn't need a 20-minute nap before he tends to our needs. May we see how we are also called to share in this sharing of the good news. And that we are to meet people in their wilderness. And even though we may have wildernesses, know that Jesus is right there with us every step of the way. This is a beautiful story. I encourage you to go and find it in the other Gospels and read it and see it from the other people's perspectives. You'll learn new things each and every time you read it. You'll see the connection between this story and your lives and the lives there in the end of the Old Testament. And so may we give God praise in this sharing here. May we give him all honor and glory in all that we do. Let us pray.